It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 89, David is King in Hebron. The day had been glorious. It began when David marched his army into Hebron, to this cheering and celebration of everyone in the city. The morning of the old previous days had ended, and a new king had arrived. There was trumpets and dancing and celebration. David continued to march with the army into the town until he arrived at the town center where the elders of the town bowed before him and announced their allegiance to him. All the elders of Judah were there to greet him and swear their allegiance to him. Upon this moment of honor, a greater celebration overtook Hebron, for Judah was now ruled by one of their own, and they were submitted to the authority of the truly anointed one, the Lion of Judah. There was euphoria in the streets, and the Spirit of God filled every corner of Hebron, For on this day, Samuel's prophecy was fulfilled, and David became king. The celebration began in the afternoon and continued long into the night. At this point, David quietly dismissed himself and walked outside of Hebron into the darkness and into the starry night of the Judean wilderness. The space was liberating, and the cool desert air was welcome as he continued to walk his way to a hilltop overlooking the city. The stars were bright, so bright, he thought they were looking right at him. He reflected upon his journey and the day's events. He even remembered old Samuel and his words in that day so long ago in Bethlehem. He even remembered that day long ago, 15 years ago, when the warm oil was poured on his head. So much of it, it flowed down his body and onto his feet. Then he smiled and said out loud, God, you are amazing, for the years of wandering and wandering are over. He approached the cave of Machpelah, and he felt a swift breeze which tore through his body, and instantly tears began to fall down his face. Father, 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 his heart cried. Father, Father he said, and fell to his knees, feeling the weight of being in the first place officially owned by their family, the Israelites. Now David, king of Judah, and eventually all of Israel, would one day own all of this land. The power and weight of the moment and the fulfillment and experience overtook him as he fell low to the ground and worshipped God alone. God, I thank you that you have chosen us, that you chose lowly me to lead this people and fulfill your promises. Thank you, God, that you love us. He stayed there for a while and then rose up, wiping the tears from his face as another swift breeze overtook him, sending chills down his spine. As he stood up, he noticed leaning against the cave a monstrous, decrepit wooden frame of a gate Below it was metal hinges and bars. It was none other than Samson's gates of Gaza. 
He was amazed. He stepped to the wood and touched the decaying wood, marveling that this was Samson's gate. Lord, here is the gates of Gaza, he said out loud. At the feet of our fathers lay the gates of the enemy. Lord, Samson was unrighteous when in Gaza, but it was a righteous act for him to bring this gate here. God, save your servant from unrighteousness and keep us pure and holy so we may see your face. Open up for us, your people, the gates of the righteous so we may be saved and do all that you ask of us and give us the gates of our enemies. I hope you enjoyed this interpretive look at David after being crowned king in Hebron. Could it be in Hebron, he wrote this psalm due to the reference of the gates. Psalm 118.15 Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live. And proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open up for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festival procession to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Talk about a reversal for David. Check this out. The two third-day references. 1 Samuel 31. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 2. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. The literal use of the third day was used more than once regarding this moment in time. Once regarding David's reversal in battle with the Amalekites, and the second time the Amalekite who tried to extort position and authority and money from David for bringing Saul's crown to him. This double Literal double reference and occurrence of the third day in Scripture symbolizes the double importance and double anointing David was about to receive. After being anointed king of Israel by Samuel, David will literally receive the kingship of Judah 15 years later after receiving that original anointing. And now, from this point in Hebron, seven years from now, David will receive the kingship of all of Israel.
and we will not see the literal next use of the phrase third day in the Bible until David's son Solomon is king, and we see his gift of wisdom in action. 2 Samuel chapter 2 In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? he asked. The Lord said, Go up. David asked, Where shall I go up? To Hebron, the Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David also took the men who were with them, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. And then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. So check it out. David is now king of Judah, the tribe of his birth. I picture great rejoicing because Judah had a king of their own. There must have been a great feeling of pride in Judah at the moment. The kingdom of Judah must have been more like a family at this time and less like a kingdom, for David would have known many of the people already. It was his kinsmen, and he was their king. Take note, David has these two wives, Abigail and Ahinoam. The sin of polygamy was culturally acceptable in Israel, but it never turns out well in biblical history, as we will see with the strife that is invited into his household later. During this time, David must have militarily solidified his borders and fought off Philistine raids and other incursions from neighbors. So this time, David probably controlled all of the tribe of Judah with the buffer between Judah and Philistia, for we will not hear of any all-out war with the Philistines during this time. And also we have to understand that there was a large citadel and trade center that was not part of David's kingdom at this point. Rising above the Judean plains was a perfectly situated citadel whose name was Jabus. And it was ruled by an ancient Canaanite people called the Jebusites. This ancient citadel had resisted Israel and foreign powers for centuries, but it is in the time of David that it will fall. This natural fortress and trade center will later be renamed Jerusalem, which we will discuss at the end of the episode. Even as David is settling in Hebron, he plods the bravery of the men of Jabesh-Gilead for bringing back Saul's body. 2 Samuel 2, 5 When David was told that it was the men from Jabesh-Gilead who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to them to say, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul, our master, by burying him. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness, and I will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul, your master, is dead, and the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. So this was a great message to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, but can you discern a political message woven into it? If so, there's a reason. After the Battle of Gilboa, Abner takes what's left of the army and marches them east and across the Jordan River, far away from the Philistines, and declares Ishbosheth, the surviving son of Saul, as the new king. Abner's action appears to have been successful for many of the Israelites from the northern tribes rallied to his cause, and over the next months and years, Abner fights back many of the Philistine incursions and appears to have carved out a portion of northern Israel 
as a sustainable kingdom. So as David solidifies his hold in the south, Ishbosheth and Abner solidify their hold in the north. This division of Israel leads to conflict and civil war in Israel, which we will cover in the next episode. We began this episode of Message to Kings with a fictional look at David at the cave of Machpelah. But let's conclude this episode with another look at David out in the wilderness with Joab, riding before the city of Jabus. Alright, here we go. Two men appeared to have been racing their horses across the long Judean desert plain, moving at breaking speed. The horses gave their all in an attempt to outpace the other. One of the horses pulled ahead and stopped halfway through the plain and stopped allowing the other to catch up. It was Joab who fell behind and caught up with David. As Joab came upon David, he wasn't facing Joab, but the citadel rising from the ground level, a perfect fortress protected by high arching hills in the centerpiece of the geography of the region. It's the perfect city on a hill, David said. Joab laughed. It's also the most impregnable fortress in the world. Jabus has been fortified for over 500 years. It must be taken, David said. There is no way, Joab said. There has to be a way. They joke that even the blind and lame can defend this city. Look at the approaches and defenses. There is no way. There was a pause, and David looked at Joab. There was a gleam in his eye, and he spoke. We shall take the citadel, and I will call it Zion. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we cover the horrible civil war and the battle at the Pool of Gibeon. Feel free to visit the website messagetokings.com and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.